We've been working our way through Matthew's Gospel and recently concluded the Sermon on the Mount. Now we come to the 8th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, and we will be looking this morning at the first four verses of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. Matthew 8, the first four verses. Let us briefly pray together before reading. Our Father, we humble ourselves under your word and submit ourselves to its authority and ask that as we are a group of tempted and tried sinners that we might find strength to persevere in the midst of this present evil age and that we may understand that we have been saved and redeemed by the powerful blood of Christ of which we have just sung Father, this preacher seeks for the power of the Holy Spirit, for he is thoroughly aware that he can offer nothing, can preach nothing, proclaim nothing, that can accomplish anything of permanent value apart from the work of your Spirit. Will you grant, therefore, that power this morning, that your word opened and proclaimed and expounded would enter into every heart, and that each person here, young and old, may trust in Christ alone as Redeemer. We ask these things in the name of Christ, our Sovereign Lord. Amen. The eighth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, beginning with verse 1. This is the Word of God. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, you will recall that as we came to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that those last verses of chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, pointed us to the authority of Jesus. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, this theme of authority comes also as we move on in Matthew's Gospel, and we find it here in chapter 8 as we find emphasized the miracles of Jesus and his authority to cure the sick. The miracles of Jesus were revelations of the kingdom of God. They were confrontations with the fall, with the powers of darkness that demonstrated that Jesus, Jesus calls for decision in our lives. The miracles of Jesus lay claim on our lives, just as they did when those who observed him heal the sick and raise the dead, were called to discipleship. They call upon us to acknowledge Jesus' authority and to deny every other ultimate authority in our lives. And this is especially true of Jesus raising the dead. And it is true of this passage as well. Chapter 8 opens with three healing miracles. The cleansing of the leper, the centurion servant, and the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And then comes a call to discipleship. Why? 
Well, once again, because the healing miracles are calling those who observe them to discipleship, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. His healing ministry calls us to acknowledge his lordship. The entire history of the Christian church without a miraculous Jesus would be inexplicable. And so we're going to look at these various miracle accounts in the 8th chapter beginning today with the leper who came to Jesus. Now that's the first thing that I want you to note in, in the text. A leper comes to Jesus. We see it in the second verse. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. Matthew uses the word behold because he's emphasizing that here's the crowd that I want you to see this man. Here's the crowd that I want you to behold this wondrous thing that is about to happen with this leper. A leper came to Jesus. Now the background that would have been in everyone's mind and certainly should be in ours as well is the Old Testament law regarding leprosy found in Leviticus 13 and 14. Leprosy is a term that is all-encompassing of a variety of skin diseases, including Hansen's disease. Leprosy defined the leper. No other disease was treated this way in the Old Testament. If the leper touched a cup, the cup was defiled. If he touched a utensil of any kind, the utensil was defiled. If he touched his bed, the bed was defiled. If he touched the, the wall of a house, the entire house would be regarded as defiled. The leper was a social outcast with no place among the people of God. We read in Leviticus 13, he shall dwell alone in a habitation outside the camp. He had to leave the environment of his friends and family. He had to leave and go off by himself and live outside the people of God. He could not worship at the tabernacle. Later when the temple was built, a leper could not worship at the temple. He went about as a mourner. Leviticus 13 says, The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He was a symbol of what God thinks of sin. He was a symbol among the people of God of what God thinks of the loathsomeness of our rebellion against him. The leper was unfit for fellowship with God or man. And the New Testament calls the curing of lepers a cleansing. Others are healed, others are cured, but everywhere in the New Testament we find that the leper is cleansed. Why? Once again, because in the Jewish mind the main issue was not in the same category with other illnesses, but was akin to raising the dead. It was a recognition that leprosy Leprosy pointed beyond the external to the heart of man, to the corruption of our nature that requires a divine intervention way down deep within the soul if we are to be cleansed from our sin. The rabbis had defined the law even more so that a casual encounter with a leper would mean that you would be an unclean person. A leper came to him. A leper came to Jesus. The law told the leper, and his culture told him to avoid others, to cry unclean, to stay away. What an intense moment this is. The leper comes within touching distance of Jesus, 
and he dared to believe him for the impossible. The leper saw what some didn't see. The leper saw that Jesus was unique. The leper saw that, that he had authority, authority that could cleanse him, that he held innate authority. The leper saw what others did not, and he came in faith, which is the first prerequisite of discipleship. Do you see how brazen this was? I really hope that you see that this is, this is chutzpah. <laughs> Here is this man. Remember, the law says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And here comes this leper to Jesus. This is brazen faith. This is powerful faith at work. And let me emphasize something else. I emphasize it here. I'll pick up on it later. That in the Old Testament, the healing of a leper was on a par with raising the dead. And to heal a leper also shows that the Messianic age has arrived That's why later on in chapter 11, when Jesus sends messengers to John the Baptist, he says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached unto them. Go tell John the Baptist, the Messiah has come. The kingdom has arrived in my person. And that's why this is the first miracle that's here. Because in the Jewish mind, to heal a leper is the equivalent of raising the dead. And so this leper comes to Jesus, and it's the first recorded miracle, demonstrating the authority, the power of Jesus, even over death in this series of miracles that we find in Matthew chapter 8. And so here comes this leper. Maybe he came through the crowds. Maybe he he set aside all of the social conventions. Maybe he cried unclean and unclean. The crowds parted as he came to Jesus. Perhaps for a moment, Jesus was separated from the crowd, and this man took his opportunity, and he came to Jesus. But the text tells us that he came and knelt, or he bowed low before Jesus in utter humility. That's the first thing we see. A leper came to Jesus. What a remarkable thing that is. The second thing that we see, the leper's words to Jesus. Lord, if you are willing, he says in verse 2, you can make me clean. There is an immediate recognition that Jesus has the power, that Jesus has the authority to remove the leprosy. He need only act. One might expect that the Jewish teacher would refuse to have contact with him. But this is no mere rabbi, no mere Jewish teacher. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of his people, come into the world to deliver lepers like us. And Jesus hears the words, If you are willing, you can cleanse me of my leprosy. Jesus' authority is innate. It is wrapped up in who he is. It is wrapped up in his person. It is inseparable from who he is. Later on in the 8th chapter, we come to the miracle in which Jesus calms the storm. 
And after he calms the storm, there's the question that is raised, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? The purpose of the miracle was so that people would raise the question, who is this that so commands nature? But all of the miracles, all of them were devised to raise that question, to engender such a question. Who is this that a leper can come to him in faith and believe that he can be cleansed of his awful leprosy? An humble request, a petition, he makes no demands, but he recognizes the authority of Jesus Christ. Unlike Elijah, unlike Elisha, Jesus has innate authority. Now someone has said, and I think it's true, that men are more willing to believe in miraculous power than in miraculous love. But don't we see miraculous power and miraculous love combined in this passage? That Jesus Christ has the power to heal, but he also has the love to receive the one that others rejected? Do you believe in his miraculous power? Let me ask you perhaps the more important question. Most of you, I think, would say yes to that. Do you believe in miraculous love? Christian, do you really believe that he loves you with omnipotent love? Do you believe that he loves you with miraculous love? How often we Christians doubt his love for us. You know, really, it's blasphemous when we come to think of it. How often we doubt, but it's wrong to do so. Because God demonstrated his own love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How can you doubt the almighty, omnipotent love of one who died on a cross to redeem you from your sin? And I want to say to you that if you apply to Jesus by faith, know that he is willing to cleanse you just as he was willing to cleanse the leper. Doubt it not. He doesn't need urging. Jesus needs no cajoling. Do you hear me? Jesus is willing to save sinners who come to him, believing him for deliverance. He cleansed the leper. He will cleanse your soul from sin. And so he comes, this leper, his faith overcoming his despair. Lord, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. Now we see the third thing in the text. Jesus touches and heals the leper. Look at verse 3. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I think this is a remarkable verse. An unparalleled act of love. An unparalleled act of compassion. No one else could do this. No one else would have done this. And Matthew draws special attention to the fact that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper. Elisha was used of the Lord in giving instructions to Naaman as to how he would be healed from his leprosy. But Elisha never touched Naaman the leper. If anyone saw it, they would have said, what are you doing? But remember, this is God incarnate. The reader is meant to ask, who is this that would stretch out his hand and touch and heal a leper? Undoubtedly, those around Jesus were saying, at least to themselves, wait, Jesus, aren't you afraid of infection? 
Aren't you afraid that if you touch the leper, you will also become a leper? Aren't you, aren't you afraid of becoming ceremonially unclean so that you will also have to go through rituals and be outside the camp? No, no, this is Jesus, this is God incarnate, and the healing power of Jesus repels all pollution of sin. He needn't have touched the man, you know that. He could have spoken the word only, he needn't have touched the man. But think of it. When was the last time this man had known the compassion and the love of human touch? Now, I really think this was Hansen's disease. It's first in the series of miracles. It's there so that we will see the omnipotence of his power and the greatness of his authority. Here comes this hopeless case to Jesus right from the start. And Jesus touches this man. I don't know how long he'd been a leper, but perhaps he had been a leper for many, many years. Perhaps he had been afflicted with leprosy since childhood. Perhaps the last, the last compassionate human touch that he had known had been from his own mother, who, following the law, must also reject her son, have nothing to do with her son when he became contaminated with leprosy. But the outcast is now touched with the hand of omnipotent compassion. He is loved and he is cared for by Jesus. And in touching the man, Jesus is claiming divine authority because only God can do this. Do you remember the two signs that were given to Moses in the Old Testament? The one, of course, his staff that was turned into the snake. The other, the Lord told him, take your hand and put it in your cloak. And when he brought his hand out, his hand was leprous, white as snow. He put his hand back into his cloak And when he pulled his hand out, his hand was restored just as was his other flesh. You read about it in Exodus chapter 4. Only God can heal a leper. And now Jesus not only says, yes, I'm able, but Jesus says, I am willing. I will be clean. What is Matthew leading us to see? This Jesus that seems to disregard the law? Oh, no, no. He's not disregarding the law. He is the author of the law. Matthew wants us to see that by touching the man, even though the Jews would regard him as unclean, no uncleanness, no uncleanness imparts itself to Jesus when he touches this leper. The time would come, the time would come in which on the cross, not morally, but legally, Jesus, as he bears the sins of all of his people through all of the ages, would be regarded legally unclean, bearing the sins and iniquities of his people, the author of the law, meeting the demands of the law of God. But the best commentary on this passage is Romans 8.3 in which Paul says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh. 
And it's this to which this event points. For the law can declare this man a leper. The law has no power to heal the leper. Only God and sovereign mercy come into this world can heal the leper and remove the defilement that leprosy represents, which is our sin. And when he heals the leper, did you notice it's immediate? I will be clean. And the text, the text says immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now use your imaginations when you come to these passages in the Gospels. Perhaps, probably, as I have said, it was Hansen's disease. So it had begun with red spots somewhere on the man's skin. And these increased into white scales that had spread throughout his body. The whole body was covered, looking white and diseased. And the disease worked inside his body as well. The joints were dislocated. The fingers and the toes would begin to drop off, perhaps entire limbs, and slow death occurred. And leprosy was often called a living death. Jesus touched him. He was willing, and the man was healed. This long-standing disfiguring disease, Jesus takes away. Now, there is someone here today, and sin has so gripped your heart deep within that your heart is like a heart of a leper. It's as if the disease of leprosy has gripped your soul, and it has spread, and it has contaminated the whole. What do you do? You come to Jesus. The leper came to Jesus because he realized that he had leprosy and that only Jesus could cleanse him. Only Jesus can give life. My friend, only Jesus can cleanse our hearts from sin and iniquity. But you don't understand how defiled my heart is. Yes, I do. I'm the chief of sinners. I do understand. I know from the Gospels that there is no guilt that is too great for Jesus to forgive You must understand that his atonement is sufficient for the most heinous of sinners and for the greatest of sins. Matthew Henry, that old Puritan, somewhere said, God would not appoint a physician to his hospital that is not not in every way qualified for the undertaking. Jesus is the physician in God's hospital, altogether qualified for the undertaking. Don't you think that God recorded the fact that Jesus touched the leper to remind us that there is no sin and there is no moral failing so great that it is beyond his cleansing touch. And that Jesus, who had the power to free the leper, also has the power to free you and me. Don't you think that God, by divine inspiration, records this in Matthew's Gospel so that we can see the condescension, the condescending love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, so that we can understand his sympathy with us, his fellowship with us, that he came to stand by lepers, to touch lepers, that he determined to come to us in our sin and in our loathsomeness, so that we might be set free. Don't you think that Matthew records this, so that we could see that he speaks and it is done and that he left the Father's throne above 
to come and touch us lepers. Well, surely it is recorded for that purpose. Come to him in faith. There's a fourth thing we see in this text. Jesus commands the leper. Look at verse 4. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof to them. So don't tell anyone. There's a practical reason for that. There are so many people already coming. As this spread, then there would be so many crowds that Jesus would be unable to, to avoid the crowds. But there's another reason for this. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. And this is is explained for us in verse 15 and following. Matthew 12. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. So it's the same situation. Don't tell anyone. Don't make it known. Why? Verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. The veiledness was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah as one of the characteristics of the Messiah. And so the veiledness, don't tell anyone, is actually a revelation of his Messiahship. And he says to this cleansed leper, now you go and you show yourself to the priest. That's what the law required. This must be first. Let him, the priest, declare that you are clean, and then you may re-enter into society. Again, this was the law, Leviticus 14. A cleansed person must go to the priest who makes the final decision. There was a lengthy ritual. An atonement was made. Sacrifices were offered. The man must travel to Jerusalem. He must go through eight days of ritual. He must offer numerous sacrifices in the temple. All of this showing us that Jesus was born under the law, that Jesus honors the law, that Jesus fulfills the law in order that he might redeem those of us who were condemned by the law. But look at the end of verse 4 again. He tells him to go and show the priests, offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them, or perhaps better translated as a witness to them. And this is significant. Do what the law says and let them see that the law points to me. You go to the priest and you bear witness. And when you bear witness, your witness will point to me. Because the law points to me. Leviticus 13 and 14 point to me. The priesthood of the Old Testament points to me. The cleansing of the leper through ritual points to me. I can do what no human, simply human priest can do. They can declare that you have been cleansed. I can actually cleanse you. Leviticus 14 prophesies of me. And it is but a small indication of that great New Testament theme that Jesus fulfills the law in his person 
and on his cross as he bears our sins and pays the penalty for our sin. But further, it also may mean go and show yourself as a witness against them. Because the Lord is doing something new. The Messiah has come. The kingdom of God has now arrived. Neglect this sign. Neglect this witness. Neglect me. And this very healing will stand as a witness against you on the day of judgment. Oh, people of God, what an awesome reality. That the witness we also bear in this world is used of God to draw and attract his people to himself, but that very witness will stand as a witness against those who reject the good news of Jesus Christ on the day of judgment. As always, Jesus' authority calls for response, for reverence, for faith, for repentance, and for obedience. But there's one other thing I want you to see from these four verses. The fifth thing is this, that Jesus raises the dead. Now again, you say, where is that, Pastor? Remember, I said it's implicit in the text, because in the Old Testament background, only twice is it recorded that God healed a leper. One was in Numbers chapter 12, when God healed Miriam. And do you remember what Aaron said on that occasion? Let her not be as one dead when she had contracted the leprosy. The other is in 2 Kings 5. Do you remember what the king of Israel said when he read the letter from the king of Aram about Naaman the leper? It's in 2 Kings 5, 7. The king said, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? What does this fellow send? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? In both of those Old Testament accounts, it is recognized that leprosy meant death. That the cleansing from leprosy is the equivalent to the resurrection from the dead, and that only God can do it. Who then is this who touches this leper? And cleanses him from his awful, awful leprosy. The Old Testament tells us who it is. Only God can do this. This is God incarnate. God in the flesh. The rabbis said that it was as difficult to heal a leper as to raise the dead. And they were right. And the point is this. That the miracles of Jesus demonstrate that the destruction of Satan's kingdom has arrived. The raising of the dead shows that the kingdom of God has penetrated into the province of the prince of darkness. And the miracles of Jesus point to the ultimate miracle when God broke into our lives by raising his own son from the dead. The cleansing of the leper shows us this new thing that God has done. And this is a sign of our deliverance from this present evil age, draped as it is in the crepe of death and corruption and defilement and distortion and bondage. All taken away by Jesus who raises the dead. Now, my friends, 
It's a simple account. Four verses in which we see Jesus healing a leper. But remember, the Old Testament background would have us see that leprosy points to the defilement of our souls, to that awful, awful defilement of sin that grips each and every one of us fallen in Adam. We are all by nature lepers in need of Jesus' cleansing touch. And here we see the extent and the depth and the seriousness of the grip of sin. But here we also see that God's saving dominion has arrived. I will be clean. Jesus touches lepers. The risen one raises the dead. As we sang earlier this morning, he speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful, mournful, broken hearts rejoice. Unclean, unclean, the mournful, broken hearts rejoice. The humble poor believe. Have you believed? Do you believe? Do you have confidence that coming to Jesus as a sinner, as a leper deep down within, that he will speak to you and say, I will be clean. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.